my favorite question of my three today. This is deep thoughts, deep late night thoughts with JD here. Would you rather be without internet or a refrigerator? Now, you can only replace the refrigerator with non-electric options. So we're talking like ice chest style thing, you know what I'm saying? And you can still have access to internet, but just not in your home. We are hashtag 113 here in the beautiful condo. We've been timing it right the last couple weeks and even during our break, but the Avateria producers do look to be sleeping, so they shall not be a bother today. But they're also not going to be any help. Always sleeping on the job. Lazy ass producers. Jiminy Christmas. If you'd be so kind, please go find us at the Flockpot on your favorite podcast streaming platform and your least favorite podcast streaming platform. You know, just for fun. You know, like whatever your least favorite one is, just go find that and can just go give us a, a subscribe on there too. If you'd also be so kind to go find us on your all of your social media channels, all of them, like every single one of them, go back to your old MySpace and see if we exist over there. Maybe it might happen. It's possible. If you'd find me at Coach Justin D on those same social media channels, Shane, tell them where you are. You can find me at bartender Shane six on Twitter and at walk a flock of Shane six on Instagram. I think MySpace is still like, I think they washed away all of the old profiles, but it's like a new thing. We should for no other reason besides just, we should it's funny that we should hilarious. get up on there and start plugging that. Oh man. Top eight, all the music and stuff playing in the background on the wall and everything. <laughs> I mean, cause I'm older than you guys too. Like MySpace was like a big deal. Like, I was, I was old in, enough. I was old enough that I was on Facebook with my when you had to have like a college email, basically wow. to like log in. And that's the only way you could do it. Anyway, we have gone in a very different direction <laughs> than I expected. We are also joined today by our good friend, the one and only Zachary Neal from DucksWire.com, our favorite website, DucksWire.usaToday.com. Let's make sure we get that right. Zach, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great. I think you last episode you guys mentioned that you should have a drop whenever we talk about Justin's old. Yes. This would be a perfect time for yes. one of those drops. So yeah, <laughs> Justin is old. very old. <laughs> no, I'm a I'm great. I am super, super excited to be back talking to you guys. Um, I had a lot of envy listening to your podcast last week and be like, man, I wish our scheduling worked out so I could be chatting. But uh, I know we got a lot of spring football to talk about today, and I can't wait. Yes, we are going to be a spring football heavy podcast today, a smorgasbord, if you will, of spring football coverage. Also going to dabble into the NFL, NFL draft, dabble a little bit into the WNBA with the duck takeover or duck takeover of NYC that you love to see. But yeah, let's just let's just jump right into it. And I think the biggest story right now in duck football besides you know what's going on on the field at spring football the biggest story quite literally 
is Josh Connerly. So Zach, I'm just going to throw this to you and I want to ask this question and kind of a, a way to frame this. What does this commitment mean for Oregon football? It's, I mean, it's, it's huge. It was, it's by far, I wrote the the biggest win so far for Dan Lanning at Oregon, which obviously hasn't been here for that long, but it's, it's not something that anyone really expected because it was such a lock that Connerly, a five-star offensive tackle, the best player in Washington this year, and the best, I think the best offensive tackle in the 2022 class, it was a lock that he was going to USC. I mean, look at pro- uh, recruiting predictions, they had it like 98, 99% chance him going to USC. And then the other four, other five in his top six had like 0.1% chance. And the Ducks were in that group. And um, the fact that uh, Dan Lanning, Adrian Clem got him up to Eugene the week before his commitment on like a, a secret visit. He like kind of, his dad posted something about being at the Oregon facilities on his Instagram. And then some Ducks, someone in Ducks Twitter found it and posted it and then he deleted the post and it was like oh what's what's going on here this is this is interesting so um the fact that they got him up for another visit and just landed him over usc is is so massive and it really goes to show that um when lincoln riley went to usc people thought that the recruiting balance out west shifted they thought that he was going to land all the best players in washington keep everyone in california and so far, we have not seen that. I mean, we've seen Dan Lanning, both Land Connolly from Washington. We saw him get Jaleel Florence from San Diego, who USC was also really in on. And it's just, I mean, they've had two big recruiting battles so far, and Oregon has won both of them. So I'm not saying that's how it's going to be from here on to the, for the rest of time, but so far, so good. And I'm, I'm just super impressed that they were able to get Connolly. My guy, Jaleel Florence. My guy, yes. Jaleel Florence. Yes. yes, absolutely. So Shane, um, watching the Twitter sphere, how much fun was it watching USC and UW football just kind of like melt down on Twitter after that commitment? Uh, more so UW Twitter. Uh, go <laughs> go figure, right? But it, the being like this... Uh, Delusional. This like, right, this like backyard steal. I saw some stuff that was start. I mean... Got ugly, I'd say could be almost described as as toxic, but I think it's I think it's huge just for the recruiting trail and just like to put put a stamp down right now for Dan Lanning and his staff to just really like to have to have it be such a surprise, like Zach was saying, is so huge in this situation because it's like, oh, okay. And that's the kind of thing that'll catch people's eyes and ears in the East Coast and the South and in Texas and the Midwest. So I think that's huge. Well, and one thing on top of that is <clears throat> none of this is confirmed. There's just kind of word from people that apparently Oregon dropped a pretty big bag for him. And there's word that he got, you know, a seven figure NIL payday to come to come to Eugene. And whether that's true or not, I don't know. Um, I would not be surprised if that got confirmed somewhere. But it's really nice to show that for me personally to see that, hey, Oregon's willing to pay for some of these big guys and we know in the new recruiting world that they're going to have to do that to land some of the top five-star guys and so far we've seen that they're willing to it's not the reported eight million that nico got at tennessee but <laughs> one million to pay for a, a five-star offensive lineman still in high school if that's what happened that's it's a huge deal and it shows that you know they're coming to the table to play so um, i like that well, and we're always in support of players getting the bag here. So, so good for good for Connerly to get that bag. And he uh, he took to Twitter to uh, take out some of his frustration today. So, I'm just going to read this tweet that uh, came out on the, the 14th or the 13th of April. 
It's crazy how these grown ass men hate on our generation because they didn't get the same opportunities, then sit there and try to explain to you. I'm guessing the word was supposed to be how, but he said have nice they were in high school. Clown behavior for real. When you hear that, Shane, what does that make you? Are you proud that he's a duck with that kind of tweet or how how does that make you feel? I think you can say that at home. I don't think you need to type that into your phone and and then hit tweet Uh, just because I think it's just going to be a lot of unwarranted bad attention that's going to come on just because of the way the Internet operates. You know, you post something good and positive and people still come in and shit on your parade. So that being a little divisive and I mean, that's going to I mean, that's going to irk some people. But I mean, so last week. Justin, you and I were talking about Kayvon Thibodeau's, uh, you know, draft stock and some of the things that he said. That's exactly and how that where could, I was going to go. Yep. And how that could ruffle some feathers with like certain types of people. I think that this coaching staff, this isn't something that concerns them that much. I think they probably wish that he didn't do it, but I think that they also <laughs> like understand that this is kind of how this goes these days. And like, you know, th- this isn't that absurd. Like, I, I don't think he's going to have some massive, like, Mac Brown, like, boo-hoo, like, moment about it. I think Landing yeah. understands that this this is normal behavior for high school kids these days. So, it is what it is. I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, my thing with Twitter and what I told kids when I was coaching when they were on the Twitter sphere, if some of them are trying to get recruited, is if you're going to put it on social media, just remember that your grandma's going to read it. You know, Mm -hmm. and if you're okay with your grandma reading it, then okay. Like everybody's family values are different and whatnot, but just know that if you throw it out there, your grandma's going to read it and maybe your future daughter's going to read it. So just, just know that those things are going to be out there. So Zach, I saw you kind of nodding along. So this, this kind of a tweet, you like this kind of a tweet. I mean, it, it, it doesn't bother me at all. It doesn't make me be like, oh man, we're not getting a very, uh, good human being coming to the program it's like no he's i'm sure he's heard a lot of stuff from other people that who didn't get money coming out of high school and he's kind of tired of it but uh, you know it it doesn't bother me at all when what is going to prove everything in the end is what he does on the field i mean and that's another thing we can talk about is i i'm not really sure how soon we're going to see him play just because the depth of the oregon offensive line already and they're returning four of their five starters from last year but you know, he's he's a 2022 recruit that's coming in this year and will be on the roster this year. So, um, but yeah, like you said, I no, this thing doesn't bother me. And like you guys were talking last week about the Kayvon quote saying that he is he's surprised that or he's uh, upset that people don't see him as the best player in the drafts. Like I loved when he said that I was there at the interview when he said that. And it's like I I think I probably had an actual reaction I'm like, hell yeah. Great. Say that, like have that confidence yeah, in yourself. Yeah. You think you're the best player in the draft, let it be known. So um, that's just kind of my school of thought on that. If you, you know, you don't get that good thinking that someone else is better than you. So, um, but yeah, it, it doesn't bother me. So you guys both know me well. And Zach, you've, you've seen me a little bit more in like athletic realms and things like that. I have a tendency to talk that shit sometimes. I have Absolutely. a mouth and it will run at times. Yeah. So I'm as long as he can go out there and back up these kinds of statements and we're still speaking on Connerly, but also half-heartedly kind of speaking on KT. The only KT quote that I didn't like was when he came out and said, there's nothing that coaches can't teach me or something of that nature. That's like a little bit of like a red flag to me, but everything else I've loved because how else, how else is he supposed to present himself in this type of an arena when it's literally the, the world's biggest job interview. And they tell you in a job interview, your job is to sell yourself. That's what he's doing. That's exactly what he's trying to do. So I'm all for it. He's going to be a great player in the NFL. But getting back to Connerly, 
as as long as he stays focused and, and is doing everything else he needs to do, I have no problem with a tweet like this. If this kind of a tweet becomes a series of behavior, mm-hmm. we start seeing it more frequently, then maybe there's some more red flags and whatnot. But I'm okay with it for the most part. Yeah, go ahead, Shane. I mean, the one thing I would tell him is like stuff like this isn't going to stop happening and these people aren't going to stop exactly. saying these things to you. And it's it's going to get worse as you get better. So it like you said, as long as this doesn't become a pattern behavior and he's like, you know, he realized somebody's probably going to tell him that exact thing. Like, look, dude, like <laughs> you just got paid. So haters <laughs> are going to be coming out, like talk to like any successful person ever. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I like you guys said, not a big deal. Some people will think it's a big deal, though. Uh, there's people in Washington that will be like, oh, it's <laughs> a big deal. He's an asshole. So, well, this is also going to this is kind of just a broader topic than just Connolly, but it's going to be really interesting to see over the next few years how fans react to players who we do know got paid who aren't necessarily performing on the field. I mean, there that can, mm. is a an interesting situation and could get pretty ugly. I think quickly if you know that there's a player who's getting seven figure payday and he's kind of riding the bench or making mistakes on the field. And um, yeah, this is not just Connerly specific, but I mean, what if Nico with Tennessee goes out and throws twenty picks in his first year? It's like ah, I don't know. That could get kind of ugly. So. Um, I know that's a, a much broader topic, but I'm kind of interested to see how that happens. Yeah, valid one too, with even some of the stuff we've seen. Um, I mean, we've talked about this at length on the pod, but you know, when these are kids, let's let's remember that first and foremost, these are kids, young men, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, and grown adults going at them on Twitter, you know, and they didn't commit to their school or whatnot. So we've already seen that there's a definite ugly side to all of this and how that manifests further and how it kind of evolves. Um, like you're saying, Zach, with all this money now being involved, I mean, usually when a lot of money gets involved in something, it only gets uglier. So, mm-hmm. um, well, that's definitely something to keep an eye on though. And speaking of things to keep an eye on, there was a big injury that happened in spring football to uh, one of my favorite guys over on that secondary. So Zach, what can you tell us more about Don? Dante Manning and his kind of return timetable. Yeah, I think when we did the uh, stock game earlier in the year for spring football, I think I picked Dante Manning. So his stock is currently dropping a little bit, unfortunately. But um, yeah, he left the uh, scrimmage last Saturday uh, in a wheelchair, which is something you absolutely never want to see anytime, especially in spring. But um, relatively decent signs since then uh both practices we've seen this week he's been participating in warm-up stretches with shoulder pads and a helmet on um and just like one of those big leg braces on so he's still he's putting weight on it he can bend it a little bit i noticed today he's kind of they were doing high knee drills and um i believe it's his left leg that's in the in the um brace but he kind of bends it a little bit there's a little bit of flexion so um, and Dan Lenning said on Tuesday that he doesn't think it's a long-term injury. Um, he hopes not at, the, at least. So uh, I don't think there's any chance we see him in the spring game. I don't think we'll see him actually playing until fall, but um, relatively decent signs going forward. It's not as bad as we expected it could be. That's always good to hear. Well, that's a player who is you know, going to be starting his recovery back. So let's talk about another player who we hope to see back sooner in Justin Flo. What is the percentage odds we might see him in the spring game? You know, Lanning, he was asked that same day. We talked to him about Dante. 
he said that there is still up in the air whether or not he plays in the spring game. I don't think he will. Just my personal opinion. I don't think there's really any benefit to getting him out there um, because he's obviously not a hundred percent yet. He's still he goes through drills and stretches, but he's not um, going into like full contact tackling drills. Um, he's still running around and stuff, but uh, it's his recovery has been a little bit more interesting because it's it's really been a long time. It's been like eight months since he had that injury. Um, I don't know if we ever got a clear um, you know, description of what the injury was. I think it was kind of a, a fracture in his foot or something along those lines, but um, I think that he'll be back 100% healthy for this fall, but I would not bet on seeing him in the spring game because I just don't think it's, there's too much to gain there. We already know he's a, an incredible player. We know what his ceiling is. We know how good he can be. So um, I think you're kind of just risking getting him back in there too early if you go in the spring. No, that's valid. That's valid. And I, I think I agree with that. Something that I am excited to see at the spring game and how this kind of shakes out and to hear more of your thoughts, though. Um, we talked a little bit about it last week, how Shane's kind of we're pulling Shane over here to the dark side, over here to the Ty Thompson side of things. Um, but you may have some different news for us in regards to some of these first team, second team quarterback reps. Well, I don't know if it's news. It's just that's been kind of a hot topic on Twitter recently is that in practices, we've seen some 11 on 11 drills, what they call fastball drills, where they're really hustling up to the line of scrimmage and, and setting the clock and, and snapping as quick as they can. And they have a first a team that takes the first reps, a team that takes the second reps and a team that takes the third reps, whether that's the depth chart, we don't know. But yep. uh, the first time we saw that Ty Thompson was with the first group. Then it was Bo Nix with the first group for the second time. Bo Nix with the first group for the third time. I think we've only seen it three times. And Ty Thompson went first, second, third with Jay Butterfield going second last time. So um, a lot of people are kind of saying like, oh, my gosh, he's falling down the depth chart. Hold on. Mm. Pump the brakes a little bit. I don't know that this is a depth chart. But we've also seen kind of you can say that it's not a depth chart for the quarterbacks. But then you look at the offensive line and it's who you'd expect to be the starters with the first team taking the first reps every time. So um, if I were to put a a guess in today, who would, who is leading that competition, I'd probably say it's Bo Nix because he's looked really good in practice. He's making great throws. He's not making mistakes. Um, That's not to say that Ty does not look good in practice. He's looking really good. He's had a really nice scramble a couple of days ago, Um, but it's, it's been fun to watch, but I don't know. I would be shading on the on the side of Bo Nix at this point if I were forced to make a prediction. And we do get pretty hyper focused on this like two pony race, and do forget a little bit that Jay Butterfield is like a legit quarterback. Like go back and watch his like high school tape on YouTube, and it's impressive. But uh, I wanted to ask you about who these guys are throwing the ball to, and who uh, out of this very what seems to be a very deep wide receiver room has anybody really emerged as like a wide receiver number one? And have Ty Thompson and Bo Nix both been favoring the same targets uh, or has one player kind of been throwing at one player more than another? For the second point there, it's kind of been too much of a rotation to to really pin down any one guy that they've got a real connection with. I mean, for the most part, they all look good throwing to, to all the guys they're throwing to. But um, someone that's really impressed me in the wide receiver in this spring is Dante Thornton. At the end of uh, last year in the bowl game, he had a great game. He really kind of showed out where showed a little bit of what he can do. 
I mentioned earlier this year that he's put on some real size. We talked to him earlier today, right before we podcast, and I asked him, like, you you look like you put on some weight. How like how much weight did you gain? He said he's only gained probably six, seven, eight pounds, but it's been pure muscle. Um, but he's really, really been impressive. Um, and Ty Thompson and Dan Lanning have said that he's really stepped up in a leadership role this year. He's just kind of acting like a veteran out there, using his voice, getting everyone in the right position. Um, I don't, I don't know what the receiver depth chart is going to look like because there's so many new pieces there that they were on the team last year, but they weren't in a prominent role last year. But um, I would not be surprised to see Dante be one of the main pieces in this offense because they're, they're trying hard to get him the ball. I've seen them go. They're actually introducing a lot of fly sweeps this year. Um, we've seen that in practice so far with them motioning receivers from the side back into the backfield. Dante has been one of those to take a few sweeps. So um, I know they're making an emphasis to really get him the ball in space, as well as with the other playmakers, they want all of them to have the ball in space, but um, yeah, Dante's really impressed me. Interesting fly sweeps. I mean, hopefully we'll see some more two running back sets then also maybe with uh, Sean dollars or Cardwell getting some of those slot reps just to show some more misdirection and whatnot. So I don't want to jump off this quarterback thing too quickly, but I do feel like it's just been, it's the point like, you know, Shane saying we get so caught up in, you know, who's going to be that starter. Um, I think all of us are kind of on wax on, you know, what our opinions are in that regard. So I'm comfortable moving away for that from the time being, but uh, you said uh, you've got a new love on this, uh, this offense uh, that you're uh, infatuated with a uh, certain player. So uh, tell us more, Zach. Yeah, man. I'm, I freaking love Chase Coda. Uh, <laughs> I mean, We've, we've talked in length about what we expect from him in this offense, but after watching him in practice a little bit, his decision to wear number 23, who is my uh, Jeff Mayo, one of my absolute favorite ducks of all time. Uh, and then we got to talk to Chase on Tuesday and it's like, he's such a lovable kid. He's like really laid back, kind of like California cool is how I would describe it. Just kind of like, yeah, man, whatever. Like, it's, it's not like keep saying whatever, but just like really laid back, really comfortable um, and just seemed like a really nice guy. He's got the Oregon legacy ties with his dad, um, cousin with Brady Breeze. Um, oh, I just, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's been a lot of fun to watch him kind of delve into this receiver room and take a, a leadership role there. It's, I talked about the, uh, how hard that is for him to come in, be a new guy on the team, trying to learn the ropes there, but also being like the oldest guy in that receiver room. And it's, he's taken in stride. He's doing well. Everyone's leaning on him. He's leaning on other guys. If he has questions, but um, I don't know how much production we'll get out of him because I don't, like we said before, I don't know if he's going to be that wide receiver one guy, or he's going to be a more possession receiver, but um, I'm really excited. He's I'm, I'm definitely rooting for him this year because he seems like a nice guy. He chose to take his last year of college eligibility and come back to Eugene and and make the most of it. So I can't wait to watch him on the field. I'm trying to find who we all selected for our draft, and now I can't find it anywhere. So I, I want to talk about one of my guys. Yeah, go ahead. Get, get it. Uh, something I wanted to ask you about, Zach. Uh, well, actually, two players, but one of them being Jeff Bassa. Uh, how you we've seen him be used just because of his versatility and with his skill set um, and, you know, kind of him transitioning positions last year and if he's staying in those spots. And the other player I wanted to ask you about was a player that has also shifted around positionally, uh, Flock Pod Hall of Fame, early inductee, DJ Johnson. 
Yes. So both guys, well, DJ, um, actually I'll get to DJ a second. Bossa is staying at the linebacker position. He's staying inside linebacker, which I actually like. I mean, he's, he's put on a lot of muscle. Um, he looks, he just looks the part. I mean, he's, he's kind of too big to be a safety like he was when he came into high school or came out of high school. We thought that he might be in that star nickel position a la Jamal Adams or something like that, but no, they're keeping him a linebacker and he, he's looked great so far. I mean, I don't, I feel like I don't have much to report because it's just, there's not much going on there that we've seen. Um, But he, he looks great. I think that he's going to have a great season if he stays healthy and I can't wait to see him working with Dan Lanning and Tosh LePoy. Um, with DJ Johnson, yeah, he's gonna, the tight end room is so deep that they're just they're. It looks like they're just moving him to defense and he's mm-hmm. just staying there. So, um, I think he's going to be a, an outside linebacker DN kind of hybrid and, and work there. And I don't know if he'll be a, a hand in the dirt or, or, uh, standing up on the outside, but he's, he's another one that looks like he's kind of trimmed down a little bit. He doesn't look as quite as bulky as he was last year, but man, talk about a, a an impressive human specimen is what I would say. Like you, just, you see him walk in and out of practice and out there, and it's like, oh my god, that guy's guy's massive. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited for what he can do this year. Yeah, they don't call him the predator for no reason. It's <laughs> exactly. like he just looks a lot like the predator. It's it's yeah. crazy. Well, and that makes a lot of sense too because he's been posting a lot of like defensive end stuff, like clips or whatever that he's been watching on his Instagram. So if he's focusing <laughs> more on that defensive side of the ball, um, there's another player though that seems to be committed to trying to play both sides of the ball, which is pretty exciting with Mr. Powers Johnson. So where do you see him at the end of the day? Do you really think he's going to be able to pull this off and he's going to go both ways? From all we've heard, yeah. Like I, I don't see, I don't have any reason to doubt him. I mean, he was a really good offensive lineman, and then last year in the bowl game, they needed, they had a, a lack of defensive lineman. He went over there and, and did great. And this year, he started the defensive line, and then they had a couple of transfers on the offensive line, and he went back over to the offensive line and did great. So, um, what he said so far is that I'm going to play both ways and, until I can't anymore. And but by <laughs> But what coaches say, it's that there's there's no one with a higher motor on the team than him. And he just tries so hard. And uh, I, th- I forget which coach it was. I think it was Laney that said that just he just loves the Ducks, man. He just loves the team so much that he would do absolutely anything or play anywhere for it. They, Laney said that um, I could ask him to go play quarterback tomorrow and he would go out back there and, and give it his best effort. It's like, I think that might be true of every offensive lineman. If you give him a chance to play quarterback. Oh my God. Can we please see that? Can we see a, a yeah. Johnson package? Just like yeah. heavy, heavy back. That'd be amazing. <laughs> no, he's, he's been awesome to watch so far this year just because he's, he's so versatile and he's, he's like a bowling ball of, of muscle and effort and just, yeah, he's a lot of fun. Speaking of bowling balls, if you had to predict who is going to take this running back job and really run with it, which which direction would you be leaning right now? Oh, man, that's a tough one, which is kind of crazy to say, because coming into spring, like we thought it would be Cardwell, no mm-hmm. matter what. But Sean Dollars has had an incredible spring and he looks, I think we actually interviewed Cardwell on Tuesday and he was like, you would think that. Sean never had a knee injury. I mean, he looks like he's totally fine. He's just, just so quick and explosive. Um, I, I probably think Cardwell still has the a leg up, but like you said earlier with the fly sweeps, I, I would hope we see a lot of two running back sets because there's so many playmakers that they can just 
they can get some misdirection back in there, kind of a, an offset pistol or something. But um, yeah, I, I think that we, we know that the ducks lost a lot of running back talent with CJ and Travis and even Trey Benson going to Florida state, but man, they are not lacking for playmakers in that backfield. And Noah Whittington, the transfer from Western Kentucky come in too. We haven't talked much about him, but man, he's, he is, I don't know who he reminds me of. He's a lot smaller. He's probably like five, eight, five, nine, maybe, but quick and explosive and still really built physically. So um, I'm excited to see what he can do, but uh, yeah, the Ducks running back legacy, I think is going to live on this year, especially with Carlos Lachlan, the, the new coach in there. He seems to have them going in the right direction. When I like in his interview, how he was dropping names and he was, he was bringing up a lot of history in regard to what, you know, his respect was for the Ducks also. So you love to hear that. You love to see that from a new coach, right? Cause mm-hmm. I mean, we're all lifelong Duck fans. We know these names. We know who Gary Campbell is. We know LeGarrette Blunt. Royce Freeman, Jonathan Stewart, Jeremiah Johnson. And it's like when you have a, a brand new coach come in and just say how important these guys are to him, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I really respect that. That means a lot to me. So, yeah, I noticed that in the interview, too, that he he made a point to go reach out to all of those guys and talk to them and make sure that just try and, like, soundboard off of them and see what he could do to kind of kind of get that standard back up for the Oregon running back. So I I – None of us really knew who Carlos Lachlan was when he got hired. It was kind of an out of the blue hiring, but it's so far I've been really impressed with him. Would you say that there has been a player so far early this spring that has gotten a lot of praise from the coaching staff that you wouldn't have thought to be the case going into it? What'd you just do, Justin? What was that? You just punch your microphone? <laughs> no, my hand just like <laughs> slipped out and it took my, my that hurt, man. Oh, I hate these headphones. No, he was just he was just stalling while I try and answer your question. Yeah, just think about you know, one. technical difficulties. You know, one guy who I think that everyone is really happy to have back is Bennett Williams. I mean, he he battled oh back guy. from injury last year. Yeah, I think that's who JD drafted in our little mm-hmm. stock game. Yep, but, I remember that one. Um, and we talked to him on Tuesday as well. Um, he's just so grateful to be back. And he said that he had kind of a new appreciation for the game of football after coming back from, from that injury. So, and, you know, the safety room lost a lot of experience with Verone leaving. And he's kind of that guy now who... I don't want to call him the general, but he's kind of taken on that leadership role and he's back there trying to direct guys. And he has a lot of experience and a lot of versatility to move around that secondary. So um, there's been a number of guys, so many more that they've singled out and said like, Hey, this guy's doing a lot, but um, that's the one that I can really think of off the top of my head right now. I don't know. Any other thoughts from spring? You got anything else, Shane? Any other questions? That was yeah. I think we hit that pretty deep, gentlemen. Uh, Shane or Zach, thank you so much for uh, for fielding all those questions. We love having My pleasure. Uh, your and we've talked about this before. I don't remember what duck feeder called, but there is a specific word for them. <laughs> but they're not. Um, oh, I don't remember what they are now. But you had your duck feet down on the ground there on spring. <laughs> we appreciate that very much. <laughs> so speaking of those little duck feet moving, uh, we've got a pair headed back east to NYC. Ms. Nayara Sabli is a member of the New York Liberty. I believe it was the fifth mm-hmm. overall pick. Uh, Shane, how excited were you when you saw that? 
Man, so yeah, I texted you guys. I was like, yep. this is starting to look like a real possibility because everything was just going chalk and they had because they had her projected right there. But I mean, so often a player like a surprise pick will happen, especially around like the third or fourth pick, and it kind of shakes things up. And I was like, Oh, the chips aren't gonna fall that way. So I was trying not to get too excited. And then yeah, when Liberty got that pick, and then they had kind of the uh I don't know if you guys watched the draft, but there was like five was watching, New York yeah. Liberty players that had their own table there and they interviewed uh i think it was dd richards or somebody and they um they were kind of saying like oh i think we're gonna take like a big and i was like she's not the biggest big but she's a big let's see it. And so yeah <laughs> uh so yeah i think i think that's awesome uh it's it's gonna be kind of an uphill battle for her i think in new york getting playing time early just with the way their roster is set up and especially i mean they have drafted they've had a lot of draft picks over the last couple of years and they've drafted a lot of like versatile forwards uh with like dd richards michelle Uniare, um to natasha howard is on this team so like it's it's going to be kind of tough but but you hope with her work ethic that i mean there's always room on a team to get playing time with somebody with a super high motor and i think that describes nero Sabali kind of in a nutshell when it's interesting with them going with a new coach now with Sandy Brondello, I think that's how you say that last name, because uh, they were playing a very aggressive, like five out, a lot of shooting, you know, a lot of uh, versatility in the game. And so curious to see um, with her coming from uh, the Australian uh, women's background there, what's what style she wants to play and what kind of an imprint she looks to put on this team. Uh, she Zach- also won a WNBA championship. Oh, she did. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Look at you. Yep. I should know. You're our WNBA guy. You're definitely. <laughs> so what kind of pressure can we put right now, Shane, on Zach to join that WNBA fantasy draft? Oh, what kind of pressure on. can we put on him right now? It's not going to happen. Do <laughs> it. wax right now. See, I can't. Like, I've tried fantasy happen. sports outside of fantasy football, and I just, like, I love the NBA, and I just don't keep up with even – fantasy basketball so no as much as i appreciate uh, your offer i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to change one of my three questions i just like <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> i just blew like, it out of the water well oh, i was glad, glad to hear it well i mean that could have been a th- no never mind. yeah <laughs> Sorry, I, i'm not gonna do that one i respect it i could respect it um there is another big story happening and we didn't talk about this at all pre-podcast but we would be remiss if we did not mention this uh shane you actually brought it to my attention um, when you initially sent me the article um there is a lawsuit um, that is being heard right now actually in lane county circuit court um against the coach um who we usually say who he who shall not be named we will mention him here uh mr willie taggart uh, the university of oregon and the ncaa Um, The suit was filed in 2019, um, alleges a lot of controversial workouts. Uh, University of Oregon lineman Doug Brenner and two other athletes um, were hospitalized uh, during a series of these workouts, Um, like cellular damage took place. Um, There's all kinds of talk that water wasn't being allowed and, you know, they were going to make players puke and find the snakes in the grass and cut their heads off. I mean, there's some some ugly things kind of coming out from this lawsuit i'll just kind of tee it up to you guys do you have any thoughts anything that you wanted to talk about from this but um it's uh it's unfortunate to see oregon involved in something like this and kind of like shane you and i were talking about just the damage that could be done in just one year when you have the wrong person kind of at the at the head of something like this but yeah i'll just kind of throw it up to you guys and kind of let you run with it zach you want to go first i I don't have any like you know, insight on it. I'm not at the, I know that some other reporters are, are down there in the, in the courtroom right now, 
covering that. I don't have any legal expertise, so I would kind of feel like I'm out of place down there. I wouldn't know what I was doing in the courtroom. But um, yeah, it's been interesting to kind of see this story brought back to life because I remember when all of this went down with with Willie Taggart and all of that happened. Um, it's I kind of forgot about it until it was brought back up. But yeah, it was a very serious situation and, and scary. And it's funny that um, one of those other players with Doug Brenner and I think Sam Potassi, his last name, yeah, uh, is Cam McCormick, who is still on the team now and still, you know, which is crazy that he's. I know still it's, it's insane that he's still in his what it's like teaching ninth, three classes. Papa McCormick, he's like the Van yeah. Wilder of Oregon, basically ninth year oh, of man. college football, whatever yeah. it is. But um, no, it's just yeah, it's it's crazy to think that the the stakes are so high. You know, he's there. He's suing for I think one hundred twenty five point five million dollars. Yeah, and it's like wow that from you know a few decisions that people made during practice and whether they're guilty whether whatever the verdict is i i have no idea what it'll be i don't know you know what i want it to be because i want these players to to get what they deserve but you know i'm also an oregon fan i don't i don't don't ever want to root against the ducks in a lawsuit either but um you know it's it's interesting and we'll see how it plays out over the next couple of weeks and i want to get this out there too the strength um coach's name is ireal Odorindi, I think is how yes. you say that. Yeah. Um, and apparently didn't have proper certification, um, was doing all kinds of he things was, that you shouldn't be doing. So I read that he was certified for USA track and field cross country certification, which took, I think it was like 60 hours of training mm. when what he was supposed to be certified took like, I forget the number. It was like 200 or something hours of training or even more than that. So I know that's a big thing in the lawsuit too, is that he just was not properly trained, but uh, yeah. And football culture has a tendency to get toxic very quickly. And I think with a leader like Willie Taggart at that time, I think a lot of things were kind of looked the other way at. And I think that there was they exuded this level of like kind of just like old school grit and grind like football is supposed to be played this this certain type of way. And that's why I'm really excited to see like a staff like landing and even like a crystal ball before that bring in this kind of like new school way of looking at football and treating footballs or treating injuries seriously and all of these things, not running your players into the ground, paying them, you know, and setting up ways for them to be uh, successful outside of the game as well where these these old school guys and thankfully I think with the way that college football is headed I think these old school guys are kind of falling by the wayside I think the really successful ones Dabo Sweeney and such are still going to stick around and we're still going to see that core group of those guys still do what they do and it's not going to go anywhere because I mean like I said football it it everybody who's played it before it's kind of like when we were talking about that recruit earlier and saying that you know all those old players shitting on him for not like being paid like that kind of is the way football is it's like reminiscing about how the coach made us run till we puked and we had to do this, that, and the other thing and never want to like congratulate the next wave of players for the benefits that they have. Like, Oh, you have, you're treating concussions more seriously. Like we have like now players are wearing like those, uh, like padding things over the the helmet. And you know, there's some fucking dude somewhere. that's like seven years old. is calling them pussies. You know, you know it like it's, it's just true. And that's just the way football has kind of been built. And that's the way that people talk about it. And so that's just what this is. And I'm glad that like I was talking about when me and Justin were texting, like the fact that he just walked for his dream job, 
such a blessing. I mean, mm. just so yeah. good for this school in yeah. the long term and just Hindsight. great <laughs> what they've been able to do and just the different direction that the school has gone. So this situation sucks, but I'm glad that these people aren't around anymore. I'm glad that this is something that didn't really take course over the, a long period of time at the school. I feel like the black eye on the university is less because of that. I'm still not glad that this shit went down and I'm just not really glad that, you know, that those type of coaches are still given the keys to organizations and parents are like putting their trust into them with their young men's lives and in a very pivotal part of their life too. So, so yeah, it's dark. It's, it's, it's dark, but it's nothing new with football either. Family guy style cutaway to Dabo Sweeney being like, Hey, what the fuck did I do? Jeez, <laughs> man. Oh man. Um, Brenner in his lawsuit is claiming that he suffered permanent kidney damage due to his condition and that he has seen a life expectancy decrease by 10 years. Um, so well, these are yeah, pretty he serious. He was also saying that he had less of a chance to go to the NFL because Absolutely. Of it. He said his NFL's draft stock was hurt because of that. So I don't, I honestly don't remember how good of a player Brenner was. I don't know if he had much draft stock when he was playing, but you know, that's a, it's a real claim. He, he, he could have lost out on his profession because of that. So. Well, well, his profession, few, but also, yeah, just his life. So, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, yeah, go ahead, a, Shane. A few years back, a bartender at uh, Max's Tavern couldn't get the glass out of the shaker because it gets kind of stuck. And there's kind of a little trick to it. You have to hit it on like the point that it's. But a person on the other side of the bar was like, hey, I can do that for you and hit it and like broke the glass and cut their hand. And it was like a big lawsuit because the person who cut their hand said, I could have been a surgeon or like a famous guitarist oh, dude, oh like, <laughs> and like won the lawsuit. So, I mean, if you're going to sue, aim high. I mean, I have so it, many things I want to say about this right now, but uh, <laughs> just make sure the person you're suing is not the city of Eugene or like town hall or something of that nature. That, that, <laughs> that, that thing's true. Don't fight city hall. You don't usually from personal experience, I can tell you doesn't usually work out very well for you. Um, let's, let's jump in. Let's transition to, well, let's see what else did we have to get to today? Gentlemen, we touched on that. We Mark touched Mariota. on that. Yeah, Marcus Mariota is an Atlanta Falcon. Um, I mean, Ooh, the Falcons celebrate. might be the worst NFL team next year, but uh, Marcus Mariota's got the keys. He's got Kyle Pitts to throw to. Um, are you guys going to be buying a Falcons Marcus Mariota jersey? Ooh, a fake oh, one, no, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll get, I'll get a fake <laughs> one. Um, which means I'll I should probably, probably order it Strong now link. if I want it by next year. Uh, but no, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's cool. I mean, like he gets a situation where expectations are really low. I mean, had he gone to another team, like some of the other teams that we had discussed, like the the Colts, the the Raiders, if they made a move, um, my Seahawks, Seahawks, the other one, I think expectations, expectations would be a little there. How well, dare you? <laughs> Sorry, had to slip but, it in. <laughs> but Seattle fans are delusional. We have to remember this. So like, they yes, still they think are. they're like title contenders. Um, Jeez. Uh, but see, yeah, I think I think Falcons, I think Falcon fans understand. I mean, between like all the dumb shit that's happened to them basically since the Super Bowl a few years back, I think they know that this is at least fun. And like Justin said, like they have pits, they have a few toys, they play inside, he's gonna get to run around and do some stuff. So I mean, I, I think this is a cool prove it situation. And I mean, all they really got to do is win six games yeah. and Marcus Merritt is gonna six. look at it as a success. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's what we wanted. 
I mean, when we talked, what, two months ago, we were saying all we want is just for him to land on a team where he has a chance to start. And he's in Atlanta, a, a football-loving city. He's got Kyle Pitts, a generational tight end. And he's with Arthur Smith again, who he was with in Tennessee. So I was just about to um, say that. Yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, it's they're not going to be a playoff team, but I don't think that they're going to be the worst team in the league. I think he's going to be all right, and he's going to show that, hey, he's still got a lot of football left in him, and he's still a really talented player. So, yeah, I, I can't wait to watch him. Just picturing him in, in a, an Atlanta Falcons uniform, I just can't wait to see because I, I love the Falcons logo and their jerseys, and I just think they're a really cool, cool team. So, yeah, I, I like the fit a lot. The uh, current odds for the Atlanta Falcons to win the 2023 oh Super Bowl are plus 15,000. Ah. I don't know. Jeez. That might be worth a dollar. I don't know. Just yeah. saying. <laughs> but yeah, happy to see him land there. Um, the uniforms are great. Uh, it's a great logo that they've got down there. So I might have to cop one of those jerseys. Yeah. But uh, it's a good opportunity for him to potentially rebuild some of his value. Uh, I'm curious to see what the Falcons do here in the draft. If they do decide to try to snag a quarterback to, to marinate underneath Mariota, or if he's going to be given the keys at least for one season, just to see what he can kind of do. I mean, they're making it pretty clear that they're not investing heavily in trying to win necessarily next year. But I think as long as Mariota is able to stay healthy, which has been kind of his Achilles heel, if you will, um, then I think he can have a productive year. And it'd be fun to have him, you know, in fantasy football again, have him relevant. Um, I'm curious to see what he'll go for now in all these Eugene uh, drafts and whatnot, all these salary cap drafts. He's going to go <laughs> through the Eugene, roof. It's going to be crazy. That Eugene 5 to $10 boost. Yes, Her, absolutely. Herbert's going for like 85 right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so true. All right. Well, I think that's pretty much everything. I mean, we covered KT already. So I know this is what you've all been waiting for. The moment that you stick around for. Three questions. America's favorite segment. America's favorite game. Um, I think Shane should go first, and then mm-hmm. I'll go, and then Zach will go because that's the order you guys are in Zoom, and that just makes it easier for my brain to uh, to dictate things. So, uh, oh, I'm so distracted by this Mariners game right now, even though they are winning. So I need to focus. We must stay focused. All right, Shane, go for it. What a fantastic unintentional segue. So Mariners are winning right now, beating the White Sox, going for their third win. Zach's got a Colorado Rockies shirt on, I believe. Who are your way too early picks for the MLB champion this season? Oh, my gosh. It's so hard to not just say the Dodgers because that's just, just so chalk. It's probably going to be the Dodgers. Yeah, it's so <laughs> chalk just to say that, especially now that they've got Freeman. Um, I think my Mariners are still a season or two away. Um, Oh, Julio just struck out again. Dang it. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they progress this season. I've got a team that no one's talking about and they're kind of a sleeper and they kind of got into the news a little bit. They're in the same division as my Mariners. So it upsets me a little bit, but the Anaheim angels are curious to me just because of the level of talent that they have Was this possibly the year that trout gets to the mountaintop with Otani, uh, Thor, Noah Syndergaard went out and actually pitched a nice game the other night looked pretty good. If that pitching rotation can be there and they can get enough offense and those two guys can stay healthy. I think that like, they're like my deep sleeper team, I guess. I think that no one's talking about, so I'll go out there and I'll say the angels. Who do you got Zach? I mean, anyone that knows me knows that I'm not the, uh, 
the biggest baseball fan or the, I, I mean, I love the, <laughs> love the postseason baseball, but um, yeah, I, I just think that I could stay true to my, my family roots and say that I'm rooting for the Braves again. Um, I would love for them to repeat, but after losing Freeman, that's, that's tough. And it's just hard to pick anyone but the Dodgers. I mean, they're, they're year in, year out, top of the league. So I would go ahead and say that if I'm putting something on paper. Trying to, oh, here we go. Team Futures on DraftKings. My, uh, and I actually do have them at, I believe I got them at plus 750. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays are a team I like just because of their yeah, offense. Okay. That middle of the order is so juicy um, between Bo Bichetti and uh, Vladdy Jr. So, yeah, I, like, I also like the White Sox. Um, I think they're nice. I mean, they are losing to Seattle right now, but uh, they did beat them the last two games, and they're off to a pretty good start offensively as well. And the Cleveland Guardians are scoring a bajillion runs. They're fine. Yeah. Well, if that pitching, I mean, they can always pitch up there in Cleveland. Uh, the Angels are plus 3,500 right now on DraftKings. A little bit better odds than the Mariners. So that's that's interesting. You can get the White Sox at plus 1,100. Uh, Blue Jays right now at plus 800. So, um, what are the yeah. Dodgers then? Dodgers are uh, plus 475. Yeah. Nice. No value. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no value at all. Braves plus 1,000 there. So sticking around. All right. Good yeah, question, good Shane. Yep. I like it. What else you got for us? Number two. Earlier today, you kind of aged yourself a little bit, and I've decided this would be a good time to, uh, to really lean into it. This is, a, this is a good question. Who is your favorite band in middle school? Oh, God. Oh, this is so easy for me. It's Boys to Men. <laughs> I was I was like so into Boys to Men. I was just absolutely them or Sublime. Those were the have, those were the two like groups that I was listening to relentlessly. Have you seen the movie The Long Shot with uh, Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron? No, I haven't. You a hundred thousand percent need to watch it. It's <laughs> one of my movie. favorite like rom com movies. Yeah, and it right. has an long awesome shot. Boys to Men segment. All right, we got to yeah. watch the long shot. All right, I'll mark it down. I dig it. What it's about you, such a funny movie. <laughs> um, I would have to say it was like I'm gonna pick two. I'm gonna pick Blue Scholars and Brother Ali. I think I listened to them okay. the most when I was in middle school. Which wow, yeah. Oh, some like highly educated uh, music taste well, in like between ages 12 and 14. Well, so my brother, three years older than me. And so I kind of got him and all of his friends music, you know, like just share the iPod, like share the same iTunes. Like I listen to whatever they listen to. So, yeah, I, I did find growing up that I always had kind of not superior music taste, but like I was listening to different things than my friends, you know, like. I was just kind of listening to what they were listening to. I will also throw out Bare Naked Ladies. Listening to a lot wow. of Bare Naked Ladies back I'd, in uh, I'd, middle I'd school. Yeah. I'd have Dude, to go, I'm old. What do you want from me? Uh, I know. This is great. <laughs> uh, I have to go my top three, and I'll, I'll just be completely honest here. I'll probably go Blink-182, Corn, yes. yeah. Limp Biscuit. There you go. Yep. Oh. Yep. Yeah. yep. Yep. There was a time. There was a time. Absolutely. All right. I, I like that question. Even well, though it and it's made like, me just expose how old I am. If you're going to listen to Limp Biscuit, it better be like at an adolescent age. I mean, if you're like yeah. older and you're taking it too yeah. seriously, I don't know. It might, it might've been different for you, JD. I'm not sure. I don't know. No, I'll I, say, I'll say break stuff. Like my senior year of high school, like my buddy, Adam Techman and I 
before every water polo game would get in our speedos and we'd run out into the parking lot into his truck and we'd listen to break stuff and like shake his like little Ford <laughs> Ranger that he had back and forth. And then it turned into like our whole team doing it. So it was like kind of like a little, I mean, there was a little ritual there. So it was a good pump up song, I guess is what I'll say. Oh, was that on a, uh, a cassette player in the car? Is that what that was? <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> An eight track, no, if you will. It was, it was a CD yeah. player that had the little cord thing that plugged. It, it was yeah. a tape deck that went that's in. Actually yeah, exactly that was it. That's you actually exactly what it was. That's actually exactly what it was. <laughs> it was the tape adapter with the discman. Damn it! Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, the wife and I were discussing this the other day. We uh, we went to a movie and we stopped and got some fast food um what is your favorite style of burger or like what are your favorite burger toppings i guess is another way of saying it i'm a bacon guy bacon burger is definitely the the the, the lean that i go into but uh other than that it doesn't i mean if bacon and burger i mean yeah basics i'm not nothing too fancy kind of along those same lines i think the best burger style i don't get it often but like the western bacon cheeseburger like bacon onion rings stuff like that they do it like carl's jr it's so good but i was gonna say i, onion honestly, I don't go to or... carl's jr that much so it was oh. carl's jr that we went that we went to <laughs> there you go yeah. don't mess with onion rings can't do they it have a but good bur- dude underrated I will mm-hmm. mess. I will mess with the the like breakfast on a burger when they go like the mm-hmm. egg and ham and bacon and all that. That's actually probably like if I'm at like a restaurant or something like that and they've got it and I'm feeling frisky, I might go for that. This is another spinoff question. Who has the best burger in Eugene? Like if you guys want like a burger, like where who's your go to burger place in Eugene? Have you guys ever had Bow and Vine? Yes, I've heard good. of it, but I haven't been there. Pretty yet. good. Is it really yeah. good? Pretty good. Um. Forever, my answer was cornucopia, but then I was they changed. Say cornucopia, yeah. yeah, they they changed it up. My uh, answer would have been a while back. Fifth Street Grill had this burger special on Mondays that was like bacon, avocado, sautéed mushrooms, like the works, and a beer, and it was like ten dollars. Um, I haven't. Heard, I've heard less favorable things about that restaurant. I don't know if it's true. I haven't been there in a long time, but uh, about that place as of late, they kind of changed their dynamic so like more of a sports bar you guys remember pantry and pub over on like 18th and or yeah it was 18th and chambers yeah, yeah. it's where uh jamie's used to be mm-hmm. i don't know if and you now it's uh, jamie's it's now it's like a burrito boys oh, man. <laughs> well, it was a burrito boys and there's like an indian spot over there i live oh, like is that what it is now i okay. live like uh i can pretty much see that from here yeah you guys pantry ever pub was the best when i was there do you guys remember jiffy mart Oh, Did you guys oh, ever yeah. go to Jif? Oh man, oh, yeah. yeah. That okay. Now we're going down memory lane. Now we're again. all dating ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Little Eugene uh, reminiscence. I appreciate. It. I also, uh, I will say, for current uh, Northwest Burgers over in the Fifth Street Public mm. Market, as uh, they make a mean burger there. Spendy, but yes, spendy, but uh, yeah, yeah, mean burger. All right, and that's three from you, Shane. Right, that was three. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. I think I'm actually, I'm going to save that one. I'm going to save that one for the last question. I'm going to go with, I think we've, we've asked a similar question to this, but I was just, I was looking up shoes earlier. So what is your shoe? Holy grail. What is the shoe that you want, but you know that you'll never buy just because it's way too expensive. Like what is your shoe? Holy grail. Uh, The Nike Yeezy red Octobers, Mm. like $20,000. They're so fucking cool looking though. (laughs) 
Okay. For mine, I would say it's the master's edition of the white Jordan five golf shoes that Bubba Watson wore in the masters. <laughs> I think last year they're the, the coolest, they're the Jordan fives with like gold and green trim. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. What do you think about uh, uh, Harold Varner's footwear? Oh, they're awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'm not the biggest Harold Varner guy. I don't dislike him, but I'm not like a huge fan, but he always does come with great shoe apparel. Mm-hmm. And Justin, if you don't know, he's a team Jordan um, oh no i saw him yeah okay. i saw him golfing yeah yeah, yeah. So so he's like also teens and stuff yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, got yeah. jordans on i was rooting for him right away he's also like five seven you know yeah. he's like he's incredible yeah. cool. and he has a huge dip in every time he plays. <laughs> he's so <laughs> he north carolina Lord. dude it's yeah. funny yeah it's the most country yeah. guy um i've got to go with the uh grateful dead uh nike sb dunk lows the oh, uh, no. opti yellows they are like fuzzy and beautiful and <laughs> Uh, I gotta say, I gotta be honest fun. with you, Justin. I do not like those. Really? Oh, yeah, I do I not like them. those. I could see I why really you wouldn't like, like them. So. Yeah, and there, I don't. I'm not a huge dunk guy, but I just I love the look of those. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, those are my grill. All right, we've kind of already touched on this a little bit. I already know what Zach's answer is going to be, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Um, what's your favorite sports story from last week? This is like kind of like a primo sports time, you know, with like NBA playoffs, baseball, we got hockey, we got the masters, WNBA draft, NFL draft coming up. So from, from this kind of like week and a half, two week period, what's your favorite sports story? What have you been following the most? Besides uh, the uh, shame. Yeah, go ahead. For me, <laughs> it's been, uh, I mean, this this lead up to the NBA play in this being like, you know, the the second or third go around of the play in tournament and this being, you know, a year with actually having fans as a little bit of a different feel. Uh, so I've been watching a lot of NBA basketball and then kind of like that, that end of the season wrap up for the NBA was a little disappointing. But the jockeying for position was interesting with Brooklyn being uh, on the bottom half there and especially like what we've seen, like. With LA go through and the Warriors being in the playing games from before. Um, so yeah, I've been really locked in and just been enjoying the NBA. I also have a lot of success gambling on pro basketball. So it seems to be the thing that I watch the most. But other than that, the start of fantasy baseball, I feel like this in our triple crown league, I've finally like gotten the team where I feel like a lot of these guys are mine, you know, was in inher- yeah. inheriting that team and whatnot and making some trades immediately and uh yeah just kind of getting ready for the fucking long haul that fantasy baseball is this is true no and that's i'm gonna just i'll jump ahead of you zach that's my answer it's just baseball in general um as a seattle mariners fan for so many years just living in the darkness of never having hope at the beginning of the season to have some exciting young players you know kellenic and my favorite mariner right now julio rodriguez just coming up and having the mariners actually promote them and look to be aggressive robbie ray matt brash actually having a pitching staff so i'm very excited rocking the mariners hat right now we'll definitely be going to a mariners game or two uh this year so very very excited about that and fantasy baseball of course my guy vladdy hitting three bombs yesterday was don't, amazing don't 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 <laughs> i traded in vladdy last uh, year and i've just been sick to my stomach yes, ever since i did it yes i'm trying to get julio in that league too i'm trying like crazy uh, to get it to prime away so what's what's your big story zach what have you been following it's been all masters for me all golf yep. about. Yeah. <laughs> we, we talked pre-pod extensively about golf and the masters which is my favorite thing i think to talk about other than duck sports so 
yeah, Masters is my, my, I think my single favorite sporting event of the year. Um, I was lucky enough to go in 2018. Um, you can actually see the Masters poster behind me. What I was going to ask you is if um, you've ever been, if you had plans. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was the year that Patrick Reed won, which was the mm. only downside of the trip, but that was like the smallest downside. But uh, yeah, and specifically uh, Tiger Woods' return at the Masters, the fact that he was able to play four rounds and walk 72 holes is just remarkable. 14 months after almost having his leg amputated. So yeah, it's, that's been what I've been focused on the past. I've, I'm kind of in that master's hangover now where it's like so much of my time was spent just like glued to the TV watching golf that now it's like, what do, what do I do? Who am I? Yeah, exactly. All right. My favorite question of my three today. This is deep thoughts, deep late night thoughts with JD here. Would you rather be without internet or a refrigerator? Now. You can only replace the refrigerator with non-electric options. So we're talking like ice chest style thing, you know what I'm saying? And you can still have access to internet, but just not in your home. Oh God. So I think as, as I thought about this deeper and I thought about this way more than I'd like to admit I have, um, I'm going to say fridge. I think I can go without a fridge. I think I would too. I've been to enough festivals. I, I've done enough camping where I've like lived out of the cooler. You really uh, yeah. realize the value of ice in those scenarios yes, and absolutely. like just ice and water, like go up exponentially in your world. But yeah, I think, I think I'm addicted enough to the internet that I need it in my house. I need streaming. I need to be able to do the podcast. I need to do all these things in my house. I think I can live without a refrigerator. What do you guys got? Well, would... for me, it's like, 100% of my job is based on internet <laughs> capabilities and connectivity. So it's like, I, I would have to find a new profession if I were to have my fridge. And I don't know if I like my fridge enough to stop doing what I do. Cause I, that's a legit job, answer. So. That's a legit answer. Yeah. So I would, I, think I picked the fridge. I would a hundred thousand percent go get rid of internet. Oh, oh, I like love it. I want to hear this perspective. Out. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I went, so my last place where I lived Shane for just a few loves years, <laughs> I do, I do, <laughs> I do. Uh, but yeah, you've really kind of done it already. Slow I internet. About that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we couldn't stream anything. I have like, I mean, like there's like just over here we have like, I mean, what, like, DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, dude, that's like tip of the iceberg. Uh, <laughs> we have like a couple more boxes and then the whole downstairs, like the, our favorite movies. And there's probably 200 Jeez. down there. Jeez. So, you know, like I've, yeah, I kind of did it a little bit. Um, and I kind of liked it. Honestly, I liked it a lot more than people were like, I don't understand how you can do it. And like having the internet and like getting into the streaming world and everything was awesome. And just being like, holy shit, like we can watch anything in any movie or whatever. <laughs> but like going out and like making the selection of one movie and then watching it, mm. it was like I, so much of my time, me and my wife spend just deciding what we're going to watch because there's every fucking option yeah. in the world. So going out and picking one thing and just like, being set in stone that you're going to watch it not like dilly dallying back and forth or like we'll start watching a show and we'll watch like 
30 minutes of it and then like bail on it and not even give it like a complete fighting shit of the first episode of a show and then like completely <laughs> bail on it and never watch it again like that's crazy <laughs> so yeah i would definitely i would go internet for sure plus food and cold water i drink so much water and i'm like i like cold water see i'm i'm such a lukewarm water drinker tap water yeah I, like lukewarm yeah. for sure do not like cold water I love cold water. I mean, I'll drink lukewarm, you know, whatever. I drink water every way possible. I don't really like water with ice, though. Yeah, I'm with that, too. I would much prefer a drink lukewarm, any drink, than cold with ice. Interesting. I'm an ice guy. I like ice. I've got, like, all the decorative, like... Got like the square ice cube thing, but like the little like circle or whatever. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, like we'll ice. see. Like, yeah, ice, yeah, I yeah. love like cool. cocktails with ice. Like, give me yeah. like an ice cold Coke or like a Pepsi or something. If I'm like dying of thirst, is like so quenching, <laughs> but water, it's just like, I don't know, it's already mel- the melted version. I don't need the frozen version of it. Too. It's, <laughs> it's the doubling down. I guess beer is one thing you need to have cold, like, it's important beer. Kind of it's gross yeah, yeah. Kind of, it's like in, in certain circumstances yeah, yeah in certain circumstances I mean, you'll still, i'm still gonna drink it <laughs> not gonna enjoy it as much all right zach your turn three questions all right this one i thought of on my drive home from oregon practice today which i really like you are forced to use 100 of your own dollars to bet on the win total over of either oregon state washington or usc who are you picking and who are you rooting for this season? <laughs> oh, easy. Oregon State. Uh, I don't know what those totals are going to be, but it's probably going to be I don't know what the, the totals are either. I didn't look that up. I, I would bet you Oregon State would be the lowest. Maybe Washington. But, I mean, you're going to get so much public money on Washington and the kind of like three vital anyways that it's going to push that number up where I don't think that, you know, people are really going to go out. And I, I think what what's the coach's name at Oregon State? John uh, Smith. Yeah, Smith. I, everything he's done there, I think, has been like the right move, just the way they're building that team. And I think they have the right mindset. I think that they're going to eventually attract some more like transfer talent because I think players are going to want to play in like a almost got JT Daniels. Exactly. They're going to want to play in like kind of a more gritty system like that. They went to West Virginia. (laughs) Like, what does that say about, oh my word. Yeah. Sorry. Keep going. (laughs) But yeah, I would go because just because I think Washington still has a lot of like growing pains and that fan base is ruthless. And I don't think that's really going to help the team for the position that they're in. The fact that fans are still wanting like immediate success after coaching turnovers and just all sorts of ugliness has happened and then usc i just think it's gonna have a really high number and i mean you're probably gonna be looking at like two three loss numbers probably yeah. gonna be where they're at so i mean that's just hard to do i mean i, I mean, think that ex- expectations might be a little too high for them that was part of my thing in crafting this question is like who do you want to bet on for making money and also like you have to root for this team now once you bet on them so it's like who can you stomach rooting for for the rest of this season I would, yeah. I would take little brother and Corvallis over the other. Yeah. Two. I respect your answer a lot, Shane. I respect the fact that you're looking at it from a very logical perspective. <laughs> I'm just going to take that hundred dollars and just light it on fire. Can I just, <laughs> can I just like throw the hundred dollars in cash in a big dumpster, pour some gas on it and just. Yeah. I think, you I think ever... that would be more entertaining because then I could do all kinds of like memes and like, you know, like could be like social media and whatnot. But can't you get in trouble for burning money? I feel like that's like I a federal a offense. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But I feel like the Joker and Darth Knight, you know, for, for just a second, yeah. you know, just want to see the world burn. Chaos. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be see, my I, answer. 
my original answer was Oregon State. I think that you could kind of I could stomach rooting for them, and we've rooted for them against other Pac-12 teams and other teams. Like I don't as much as I dislike the Beavers, I don't like hate hate the Beavers. But I think that I might root for USC, as gross as it is to say, just because one, I'm rooting for Die. I get to root for mm. Travis, which would help. That helps stomach it. If he wasn't there, I would not be saying this. But Oh, and they don't play this year. They don't play Oregon. Yeah. And it's just kind of as weird as it is to say, Oregon needs USC to be good. USC needs Oregon to be good. We all need the, the top of the Pac-12 to be really good to kind of lift up the whole conference. And, you know, I, I don't think I could. I mean, I think I'd be able to root for that. So. Um, that's how I would sell it to myself and my brain to get that to happen. But yeah, that's a good fucking answer. Zach. I changed <laughs> I my think, answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all comfortably say that there's just no way in hell any of us would bet on the Huskies. So let's just, let's yeah. all oh take God, solace. Yeah. I don't know why I even included them. I think I included <laughs> them just to make sure that none of us would take them. Just so we can mock them a little bit. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I respect, I respect it. All right. what you got next? All right. What's my next one? All right. Um, what is your greatest athletic achievement? Oof, man. Talk about a short list. Like a personal attack. Like it's pretty early oh, in the day. For such I'd a say like attack. I was a pretty likable bench guy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll say for, so for mine, I had, this was like far and away. Like there was not even a close second. Um, senior year of football. I, got a pick six that was like 84 yards, like housed it at home. And it was like, that was clear in a way, like the best thing I've ever done in sports. So that was an easy answer for me. Oh, I know my answer. I wanted to go like peewee or like little league baseball. Cause I like <laughs> hit like a crazy game winning dinger, but it's definitely water polo. Um, when I was at North Eugene had a big rival. We were Sheldon. <clears throat> I was goalie one game and they put up like 30 goals on us just because our girls beat us in the game before. And if you know anything about water polo, 30 goals is insane. Um, but then I got a chance to play them after I transferred to Aloha. My junior year, we played them in a tournament and I just told my buddies, I was like, just feed me. And I put up a seven spot on them and we blew them oh, out. Yeah. Like that was, that's definitely my, uh, that's awesome. my best moment. I don't know if that's my best like achievement or whatever, but that's definitely yeah. like the best feeling I've ever had no, coming out of it. Oh that's yeah. Good. Waxing the Irish Kinda always feels feel like good. you're on top of the world. Afterwards. Oh yeah. You couldn't tell me anything after that game. Yeah. That was, yeah. Uh, one time against North Eugene, I ran a pretty picture perfect pick and roll. Uh, <laughs> i really stumped shane with this question <laughs> well dude my athletic achievement uh uh the first year i played tennis we went head to toe with the or toe to toe with the uh head to toe with the number one team in the state and we were retired for a while <laughs> yeah. that was that was something. Not a lot of uh, big time athletic achievements. We didn't really get put into a lot of great situations <laughs> either. See, my brain yeah, immediately it's goes. It's a bummer. It's a bu- I dunked in practice once. Hey, okay. All right. All that's right. Good. I've never dunked. I mean, that's, I mean, being able to dunk for a day. Would be I dunked in practice once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my brain immediately goes to like my worst moments. Like that's I don't oh, know really. how your guys is that was works. that was exactly right. Oh, yeah, Brian like, Conklin scored a very historic oh, point on me once in a, a Northern North Eugene basketball game. State semifinals, <laughs> missing a pass by like the tip of my fingertips. And we yeah, that's I'll never that's like my Uncle Rico moment. Like I'll never ever forget that. Yeah, we lost because oh ugh, 
Ugh. Anyway, all right, yeah, let's well, bring this a downer. Way to bum <laughs> us the fuck out, Zach. Great question. All right. <laughs> all right, last question. Exactly. <laughs> what is the best practical joke you've ever played on someone? Or the best one that's been played on you if you have not played a great pl- practical joke? Oh, the best one I've ever observed. This was uh, my junior year. The senior class pranked our high school by releasing three pigs in the school. Yes. But they numbered them one, two, four. Uh And so the administrative spent literally like the entire day looking for the, I mean, it didn't end in cool fashion because the kids literally got like lawsuit charges of like animal harassment or whatever against them. (laughs) But just watching the pigs like waddle through the school and like hang out and get all kinds of love from the student. That was like definitely pretty hilarious. They weren't harassed at all. That was like probably the best day of those pigs' lives, man. They got so much love. (laughs) They got so much shit from high schoolers. (laughs) My junior year, our seniors uh, zip-tied everybody's lockers shut. Oh, nice. That's a tough one. (laughs) That was was pretty good. That was also like cool, too, because I was just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, all my shit's in there. Like, I can't do anything. But then they were just started cutting them open. I was like, damn it. You know? <laughs> oh, scissors. Uh, Evil yeah. scissors. <laughs> But it was still, they did it pretty tight. So you had to like, it, yeah, it took, it's, it took not a while. Easy. Yeah. And then yeah. our senior, like our senior year, uh, I didn't have a car, so I didn't participate in this, but everybody parked like sideways. Yeah. So did there were no one. spaces. Uh, but it was funny because it was our rehearsal for a graduation. And then like the fire marshal came down and was like, you can't do that. So then everybody had to move. And in true like high schoolers fashion, you know, nobody was like waiting their yeah. turn or like doing anything yeah. like the right way. So dude, we were at rehearsal for like eight and a half fucking hours by the time <laughs> it was all said and done between like getting everybody back in their assigned seat. I mean, the rehearsal already probably would have taken like three or four hours. I'm not sure how long, but I mean, that was like that was one that I didn't participate in, but I felt like the repercussions of the blowback yeah. of it. And you I was still like, got pranked uh, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just like getting double down pranked. Yeah, that's great. I thought My, of another uh, one. We literally, and they're all high school. We're so dumb in high school. Like so many stupid things. See, mine's college. We, uh, well, I mean, stole Luke Ridnour's golf cart, but that's another story. College um, doing different stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we literally uh picked up somebody's car and moved it to the other parking lot we had like 10 of us pick up this little like volkswagen cabriolet and like wow. move it to a different parking lot so this poor girl had no idea where her car was that was pretty funny, <laughs> <That's> pretty funny. <laughs> that was pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> i know i got no i know i have more than that but i can't think of anything right now my freshman year in college um in the dorms a group of friends and i we spent like several weeks we would just like go to the grocery store and like take all of the free newspapers that you can and then one day while one of our buddies was in like a golf tournament or something he was away we knew he was gone for like nine hours we spent so much time crumpling up newspaper and we filled his dorm room literally to the ceiling to the door filled with newspaper (laughs) and then he got home and it was just like what the fuck like what do i do <laughs> we didn't help him clean it up at all like he had to put it all in, in trash bags and take it out and it was just man like, he could make some epic paper mache <laughs> it was an interesting prank but it was definitely one that we worked hard for <laughs> that was creative that was creative that's definitely creative Our forearms were so sore yeah, a lot of that. commitment After, like yeah. crumpling up those are so long that was a good one yeah i all can't right. think of any anymore but yeah send us your send us your pranks 
Send us yeah, your pranks on uh, Twitter. Prank. Yeah, let's hear your best pranks that you pulled up. Of course, appropriate, you know, as much as possible. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, some good, some good pranks out there. I was also really mean. So like I was that little kid, um, like my dad would have like women come over and I'd be like the mean little kid and put like snakes and stuff like all over the place or like <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was, that's I was, funny. yeah, that's like munchkin pranks, though. I'm trying to think of like, yeah, yeah, anyway. All right. Uh, I don't know if it counts as a prank. Me and my friends used to bust into each other's houses at night with airsoft guns and light them up. Oh, God. <laughs> Does that count as a prank? Or is that just like, that's amazing. Because we can, I mean, it, it gets, it goes further than that, too. One time I got shot in the face like a shotgun airsoft gun. I saw it coming. I put a blanket up over those? a window. Oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> you bet your ass, and uh, flipped it around. I was holding. On. I saw it at the last second. And just boom! Took like the like air shot, airsoft buckshot to the eye. If I oh, got all so. red, it was gnarly. That's awful. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. I, <laughs> I think that's yeah. a perfect place to end the podcast. Um, <laughs> if you've stuck along uh, this long, uh, we appreciate you. We love you so much. Thank you very much. Uh, take care, your chicken. Take care, your mentals. We out. Peace. Sorry.
Shout a little bit softer now. Shout a little bit louder now. Shout a little bit 